I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, Rick Stroud with Eduardo Encina here in Seattle, where the Buccaneers have lost in overtime. What was the final? 40-30-34. Wow. Um, you know, no shame in losing to the Seahawks, let alone in this building, but they did have a 21-7 lead, and Russell Wilson carved them up. Five touchdown passes, uh, and, you know, some things happened in the beginning of the game, even before the game started. Carlton Davis ended up having not being able to play because he hurt his hip in pregame warm-ups. So Jamal Dean, who had played all of three snaps on defense this season, found himself being picked apart in particular and giving up three touchdown passes. He also had four passes defense of the six that the Bucks had, but it was a rough night for the young defense, and Jameis Winston played well, but this team just isn't able to hang and be able to stop teams at the end of games. We've now seen this two weeks in a row. Yeah, and that's been, uh, you know, it's interesting because Bruce Arians, when he talked to us on the podium after the game, you know, he was much different this is a much different version of him than the one maybe we've seen the past couple of weeks. Big time. Which was one who was really frustrated, you know, didn't really think that he was getting through to his players. He he went on the podium today and he, was, he seemed pretty proud of this group. Yeah. And I think the reason why is because he saw a lot of young players, like you said, getting forced into positions to perform against one of the top teams in the NFL in mm-hmm. one of the most difficult venues to play in in the NFL, and they went toe-to-toe. So... I mean, you know, victory, there's moral vic- There's no really such thing as moral victories in the NFL, right? right. But at the same time, this was a game that, um, to be honest with you, Rick, because of, you know, they, they didn't get killed by the turnovers. You know, there's a one turnover, Jameis Winston, his elbow goes, and, and when he's re- rearing back, he hits uh, one of his offensive linemen, Donovan Smith. But for the most part, this game actually reminded me more of the Rams game yes. in, in L.A., the game that they won because they were able to outshoot right. Jared Goff and the Rams more than, say, the, the ones that we've seen in between, you know, the, the right. New Orleans game, the, the game in London against the Panthers, and uh, obviously last week in Tennessee, which I think was kind of the, the bottom of the barrel for this team. So I think going through that stretch and seeing these guys really kind of fight to the end, even though they did lose, was, was reassuring to, to Bruce Arians. You know, and, and you saw you know, some guys make big plays. You saw Devin White make big plays. You saw, um, you know, you, you saw, you know, uh, Jamal, Jamal Dean had a couple good plays within four did, passes defense. Right. And, yeah. and um, so, you know, you, and, and you know, Jameis Winston came back mm-hmm. and, and had a really solid game, went toe to toe with Russell Wilson, a guy he really admires. And he said he's learned a lot from uh, in the NFL. So, uh, you know, like he said, no moral victories. There's going to be a long flight. They're tired. There's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be quiet going home on that flight, you would hope, because. They're, getting, they're, they're still tired of losing. But at the same time, this one definitely has a different feel to it than maybe the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I mean, uh, I didn't think they would win this game when the schedule came out just because it was the last of seven weeks away from Raymond James Stadium, if you include the bye week. But let's go back to Winston because, you know, clearly going back to the London game, 
you know, he has been quite a target for all the turnovers. He had 11 turnovers in the previous two games, even though Bruce Arians came out and said, well, you know, the two interceptions were really on Chris Godwin not running the right route and so on and so forth. Um, but this was really an important game for him um, to stand in here against Russell Wilson and essentially get into a shootout and match him. Look, if they win the coin toss, Eduardo, and it sometimes comes down to that in overtime, they win the coin toss, they go down and score a touchdown, and they win the game. Now, that's just the rules, right? But, I mean, they really needed that coin toss because yeah. that defense was tired. Seattle could have won this game in regulation. Look, they missed an extra point. They missed two field goals, including a 40-yarder at the end of regulation. This game should have never gone into overtime. But it did. They didn't win the toss. But I think for Winston, when you look at these last nine weeks, including this game, uh, you know we know the whole season is a referendum on him. If he can play this way relatively consistently, um, you know, on the road, at home, wherever, he's going to find himself in a good position uh, at the end of the year with plenty of good numbers and and probably a, a, a chance to maybe be franchised and be back. And, you know, what can you say about his connection with Mike Evans? I mean, Mike Evans has another monster game. Um, you know, first, I think, Buck to have two 150-yard games back-to-back in, in, uh, in a single season. So there was a lot of good out here, but I think it's clear that what will hold this team back and what probably has held them back to this point, because even in the L.A. game, they gave up 40, um, is this defense. It's not good enough. It's too young. They played five rookies at one point or another, and it's going to take some growing up on defense before this team can finish games because you're always going to have to stop somebody to finish a game. So here's the thing, Rick, like, and this is at any level, right? And this any level of sports, any level of, you know, business, you know, any level of profession, you have to learn to do something. You have mm-hmm. to learn to win. Mm-hmm. And this defense has to learn to win. You know, I, uh, it was interesting listening to Devin White talk. You know, yeah. he, he talked about, you know, this play he makes – you know, Crazy. Chris Chris Carson totally gashes the the, the, the Bucks defense. Mm-hmm. Probably three or four missed tackles. He lives in the dust. Fifty eight yards later, out of nowhere comes Devin White, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he talks about it's like that's just a play I've got to make. I'm, I'm I'm this is why they got me. They got me to make tackles and bring down guys and get balls loose. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that he kept thinking about, the immediate thing he thought about was how he didn't think to himself when he tried to strip the ball and hit it as hard as possible mm-hmm. about how. This is an artificial turf field here about how it bounces harder on the thing, about how the ball ended up bouncing high and into the, you know, out of bounds and giving the ball, you know, so the, the, the Seahawks kept the ball. Little things like that. that mm-hmm. you know, Devin White will learn from that. The next time he, he strips a ball from someone, and he will strip a ball from someone because he seems to have a pretty good knack for it, yeah. he'll know how to do it a little bit better. Yeah. So, and I know this is what the, what the fans want to hear because it's no. two, two and six is two and six, right? It's gone awful. But, but at the same time, especially on defense, there are some signs here that this team is starting to grow, and it's incremental. There's no doubt about that, and it's probably slower than any of anyone wants, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's little things that we can look at, and that's probably a good example of little things that you, they've got to go through these moments, you know, whether it's Jamil Dean, whether it's Devin White, yeah. whether it's Sean Murphy Bunting, you know, anyone in that young secondary. You know, I wonder what Carlton Davis learned from watching today, yeah. you know, from, from the sideline, knowing that, Well, he learned you know, his competition. Even right. Though, even though Jamel Dean got beat for three touchdowns, he made a lot of plays, more plays than I've seen. He was, around, he was around the ball a lot. He made four de- passes defense, and they only had six right. as a ball club. So it wasn't like he was getting beaten on every play. He got beat on some key plays for sure. 
And, you know, look, they didn't get much pressure on Russell Wilson, who is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. 22 touchdown passes, one interception. His team is 7-2. and two. They go and play San Francisco. They still have a chance to win this division and have a high seed in the NFC. So, again, not a very good defense, though, on Seattle's side. I thought that Winston, because he had time with the exception of the run bull rush on Donovan Smith, he, he picked them apart. If you give Jameis time, he's going to make a lot of plays. And I thought that was obvious. And, and the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter who the other quarterback is, he can go toe-to-toe with them. So this is such a huge game for them. And yet, they're 2-6. and six. I mean, if you just said, you know, Bruce Arians, um, not a rebuild, it's a reload. Um, you know, Jameis is a great quarterback. I, I know I can, you know, we're going to win with this guy. And and all this sort of stuff. And the bottom line is they're not a great football team because defensively they've got players, but they're too young. Um, JPP still trying to come back. He talked about making some mistakes today. Vita Vea is playing pretty well. Shaq Barrett had some mistakes. I mean, you know, they're not playing well together. And I think it's going to take maybe a year or two before they catch up to the offense. But they don't have a year or two. Right. I mean, this is the thing. They've let this season get out of hand. I mean, Bruce said, I'm not used to being two and six. I've not been here before. He hasn't lost here. He's he hasn't, been, and he's was four, yeah, he was four and one in right. this building coming into tonight and looked like he had for all the world that he had Pete Carroll and those guys on the ropes. But it's going to be interesting to see now the schedule turns. Let's be honest, this has been a brutal stretch, right? I mean, these guys are tired, you know? They didn't play tired. I thought they had pretty good energy today. I thought that they were ready to play, I thought they were physical. How about the fact that they came out and who was the running back? RB1 turned out to be Ronald Jones. And we've been calling that for a long time this year. And you know what? He looked really good on that first drive for a touchdown. Yeah, he did. I mean, he um, he got some space and he, he ran with authority. I think yeah, that's the did. big thing is, you know, that that's what – that's, you know, if, if – if, if, if we compare Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber runs strong, but he's going to draw he's going to draw a cloud of dust that he might not get out of. You yep. know, Ronald Jones is runs strong downhill, and he's able to kind of bust through those holes. And he was able to do that early on, and I think that really dictated the pace of this game when they took that lead. Right. You know, there's two things that and, and Arian said this leading up to this game is. Two things you want to do. You want to establish the run, mm-hmm. and you want to take a lead. Right. And they did they both did of those both. things yeah. early. And I think, you know what? 21-7, Ed. I mean, yeah. this looked like they were going to run away with this game for a while. And I think, too, it's like when, when you think about it, taking that lead, I think that's what makes it a little bit easier for Winston. You know what I mean? He yes. doesn't feel like he has to force every ball. That's right. Now, he did force a ball that he got lucky on into a, into a crowded area, sure. got deflected, and, and, and Bashar Perriman came out and smelled like roses on a deflection yeah, touchdown catch. Yeah, that was catch. not the way you draw it up. But for the most part, Jameis Winston made a, a pretty mistake-free game in terms of throwing the ball. And that's mm-hmm. where you really worry with him. It's like, yeah. is he going to try to do too much? And I really think that when he was working from ahead, he knew that he could depend on the running game. You trust Ronald Jones a little bit more. And, uh, you know, and, and you, don't have, you don't feel like it's always on your shoulders. So yeah. I think it was a really good game plan coming in. And then it just ended up being this, you know, again, just like in L.A., this kind of like shootout kind of game. Whoever's going to get the ball last gonna was win. probably going to win the game. And, right. and that's what happened in overtime is the team that, that, that got the, the, the coin flip uh, ended up winning. And like I said, Russell Wilson, when you watch him play, and it's even more impressive watching him play in person yeah. than it is on TV because you see, the, you see the game from a little bit higher angle. And when you just see him dissect guys on crossing routes and just you have, well, he uses all, the whole 
you know, length, length of the field yeah. and everything like that, and the width of the field. He's just amazing to watch. This guy's rare, man. Like, yeah, yeah. there's not many guys who win the way he does. And and think about it this way: is for the most part, he didn't really run against the Bucks very much until that last one drive. Run. He ran. He had yards. one one run. There was a big run that kind of yeah. you know helped helped them set something up. I don't know whether it was an overtime drive or the last fourth quarter drive, but it was really late in the game. Mm-hmm. Until then, he really didn't run the ball. He really didn't need to. Right. But at the same time, is you know. This guy, you know, and this when Winston said this, is that, you know, it's it's fun playing against a guy who you know is going to kind of raise your level, you know, and everything yeah. kind of raised their level today, whether it was the crowd, whether it was this, this you know, the, playing this team, you know, whether it was, you know, I think this team did come into here with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder coming they did. Out, of, out of that Tennessee game. Yeah. You know, we, we talked a lot about how they were so angry yeah. in that locker room. Today it was a little bit different, you know. Yeah. I think they were still upset about losing. You know, I mean, like you said, two and six is two and six. But, you know, it's better than the alternative, which is, I think play they, bad and lose, right? Or play I think they, well and they lose. feel like that that Tennessee game was kind of a valley, yeah. and now you know, win or lose, they they've shown that they can kind of emerge from from that by playing well on the road and playing in, against a team like this in a venue like this. Let me ask you this, and it won't be talked about much, as it turns out. But the Bucks score a touchdown with a, under a minute left in the game, um, left a little too much time on the clock yeah. for Russell Wilson, who got him in field goal range, and again, fortunately. Uh, they missed another kick, or this game wouldn't have been in overtime. But do you think they should have, with the way the defense was playing, maybe go for two there and put even more pressure on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to, you know, have to go down and potentially uh, do more than than kick a field goal? Yeah, that's a good question because Aaron was actually asked about that in post game, and he said no, there there, there wasn't that you know, that thought, you know, yeah. like he knows what, what, what games are like here. And, yeah. you know, at the same time, you know. Had you, there been less time on the clock, I wonder right. if they'd have done it. Like, if you could have had, like, one play, right, from the two-yard line, say there was only five seconds left to where there was no way Wilson could go down and kick a field to win the game. Do you think they might have gone for the win instead of the instead of the tie you mean, in that I, scenario? I think we, we looked at the clock when they scored that last touchdown, and we were too thinking to ourselves, man, they left them too much yeah, time. Yeah, they did. And uh, yeah, they did. it seemed like they were kind of trying to stall. Ronald Jones went down yeah. before the – The thing the, is you can't but, be sure you're going to get it right, on right. second yeah, down there's, there's no if you don't score on first There's down. no guarantee. Right. And, and, uh, so Got to get in the end zone. You know, and, and, and like you said, you know, this – this place is a tough place to play in, but you can take the crowd out of it. And they mm-hmm. did early on. Mm-hmm. The crowd was pretty quiet. And, and obviously that's one of those situations where, you, you know, you quiet them up for good. Yeah. But you still give that team the ball. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. As long as the ball is in Russell Wilson's hands, you know he's not going to turn the ball over, right? Yeah. And, and, and you just know he's going to move the ball. It's just a matter of how how much time he has to move it. So, yeah, um, yeah that, that would have been an interesting call, you know. It would have been a little bit more no risk it, no biscuit than than we've seen from Coach Arians so far. But, um, you know, and especially, you know, on the road, coming off of what this team has come come off of. You know, what's worse? I don't know whether it's losing in overtime the way they did or losing on on not making a a two-point conversion. But um, I don't know. I, I think no matter what. You know, it, maybe maybe it was Arians too. You know, maybe it's him being like, "I don't want to be the one, right, on to my end, play to call game, yeah. to, to lose this game for him." Because he's been very, very, uh, very honest, and and when he's talked about this was on me. You know, there's been a couple times during the streak that he said, "You know, that that play call was mine. That I should have done this, or I should have vetoed this call, or whatever." So, you know, maybe he just wanted to let it play out in the field a little bit. You know, it's interesting because the Bucks 
early in the year, and I know he's going to regret this because I reminded everybody of it in the Tampa Bay Times, but, you know, two, two years ago they drafted three defensive backs. You know, Jordan Whitehead, MJ Stewart, and Carlton Davis in the first three rounds, two of them in the second round. They came back this year and did the same thing. They drafted a safety in Mike Edwards and then two defensive backs, Jamal Dean and uh, who am I missing? Sean Murphy Bunting in the second round. That was an admission that the, the other guys aren't very good. Right. That you want new players. now. And you want your guys. You want your guys to play this style of defense. Now, Davis was going to be the starter, but he was coming off a pretty tough game where he had mm-hmm. two pass interference penalties and wipe off two interceptions and then gave up a, a score. So, regardless, like Dean showed some promise, but MJ Stewart is on the bench. Vernon Hargraves is up and down at best at times playing nickel now, playing inside in certain formations. And this is going to be their future, I think. Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamal Dean, Mike Edwards. Um, you know, so this is a group you're going to see with Devin White, occasionally Anthony Nelson, who went out with, with, uh, with an injury. Um, and, you know, Vita Vea continues to play big. He continues to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, with the exception of the breakout run, they were good against the run again. So there's some pieces there, um, but this looks for all the world like a lost season at two and six. I suppose with five of the last eight games at home, maybe they could win three or four. You know what I mean? But that's not progress to win five or six games, and that certainly feels the way it's headed right now. They got the Cardinals coming up at home. It'll be good for them just to be home, wake up in their beds on Sunday morning. Um, that's going to be a relief. But the season has gotten away from them. And I think it's clear now, to me anyway, I don't know how you feel about it, this was never going to be a good football team because it was so lopsided. All the talent is on offense. And if Jameis turns the ball over, they have no chance. But even when he doesn't, they're lucky to hold a team under what? I mean, they're giving up more points this year than they did a year ago, which right. was 29 a game. Right. I mean, what are you asking your offense to do? They won a game with they scored 55, but they've now lost, I think, three games that they've scored over 28, 30 points. Well, you know, we, I mean, you, you know this from covering football as much as you have, but, you know, in the NFL, it's a, in football, it's a four-quarter game. It you is. know what I mean? It and, is. And, and I think what we've seen is whether it's the Giants game, yep. whether it was a Tennessee game, yep. whether Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is this game. Is it you know, finish. this defense can be good? The offense can show flashes. Yep. But you got to play four quarters, and I know that's cliche. Yeah. But we've seen it over and over again. You know, I mean, the past You're couple weeks. You're always going to have to make a stop or score yeah. in the last possession. It's who makes the, the plays at the end, that's and right. that's really that's right. what it kind of comes down to. I think it's interesting. You know, we talk about those young guys. Like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of like 
come to Jesus kind of transition going on here, though, because we did see you know, the, the Jamil Dean, you know, him playing so much was not by design, but we did see a little bit more of Mike Edwards, you know, and in the past couple of weeks, Andrew Adams has played for him yep. because they had a little bit of veteran guy. Yep. You know, we, we've seen Sean Murphy Bunnings snaps increase gradually every yep. week. So maybe this is a time where, you know, slowly they're trying to bring some of these rookies along. Yep. They're trying to get them in environments like this. Cause you know what? No doubt. Whether whether Jamil oh, Dean got beat by, by three times, he's going to get better from this. You know yeah, what I mean? He will. You you have to go through the the, the ups and downs in the yeah. NFL to, yeah. to learn from. You have to feel it because the speed's different. This that you're not the the, the top cornerback at Auburn anymore. Right. You know what? Right. I mean, you're you're playing. You're trying to 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 play a play DK Metcalf yeah. when Tyler when, Lockett right, right when, yeah. when when Russell Wilson is pinning a ball where only he can get it right. you know what I mean this right. is this is totally different and SEC's the, the the place to be but this is totally different dude it's a new so, level so yeah. you know and you only learn from doing it so yeah, that's true um and so I really think that, that we're starting to see a little bit of that transition. And I don't necessarily think that's a giving up on this season. You know, it's two and six. No, Again, they're not going six, to the playoffs is what I mean. But, this is going to be a disappointing right. year before it's over record-wise. I think all that matters is now how do they play the last half yeah. of the season, particularly the quarterback. Does he give them a chance to win? Tonight, Jameis Winston did everything he could to put them in a position to win the game, I thought. Um, you know, again, unfortunate with the sack, fumble, the ball slipping out of his hands, whatever you want to call it. It looked like Donovan Smith got bull rushed into him. I know there's people going back and forth about that, debating it. It's still a turnover. It's still 12 turnovers in three weeks, way too many. You can't have that. But he didn't throw an interception. Um, he matched Russell Wilson for the most part. Again, Mike Evans was sensational. They need to develop a third receiver. We saw Perriman do some things. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it just wasn't enough. But when you score that many points, you should win the game. Um, but now they come home, they play the Cardinals. They've got two games against Atlanta. They got a game at Detroit. There's some games on the schedule they could win, but they have to start with one. This is four in a row, and this is what happens: is you start to lose any kind of sense of momentum. They need a win. It'll be interesting to see if they get a win, if they can then, you know, feel good about themselves and get two or three or four. Um, this second half of the year, but you know, this was a this was another tough one, another long flight home. It's a grind of a season, right. and it's been that way. Um, and unfortunately, they they didn't come out on top on top today. And and you know, those young guys. You know, Sue said something that I thought was interesting because we were talking about rookies. He goes, oh, "Oh, wait a minute." He goes, "We're halfway through the season." Right. They've had their rookie experience. They went through training camp and OTAs and all this. He goes, they got to play. Like, you're here to play and win. Like, I you're a professional football player. There is no hall pass for guys, um, you know, that, that are in their first year when you're halfway through a season. Right. And that, you know, like like you said, this is this was a tough stretch. You know, this was, oh, you know, this, this was a grind for these guys. You know, I think there's a victory in itself, like how much energy they did show. It is. Off it is. It was. And, you know, this, this is something that I think I mentioned earlier in the week when we did the pod is, you know, this, another challenge lies ahead here, you know, and yeah. that challenge is, you know, in comparison to two weeks ago when they got a bye week coming out of London on a nine hour flight. Now they've got to come back without a bye week yeah. on a seven hour flight coming back from Seattle. Get home four or five in the morning. Right, and, and then play, play against the Arizona Cardinals, a team that you really don't know too much what to make of them. You, I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a very beatable team, but, you know, they can, they've shown some flashes of They've won of, three of doing, in a row this year. Right, doing some things. So, yeah. you know, um, I think that, that's a big challenge. And, and, you know, let's face it, like the road is tough. The road is tough for a reason. But, like, game, win, winning on the, at home 
this team hasn't necessarily shown it. the ability to yeah. do it with consistency or That's defend right. its home turf. And right. we saw that same, we saw that that the Giants game, we saw the New York game, yeah. both games that they probably could have played better. Well, definitely the New York game. You know, the, the 49ers are, are turned out to be a good team, but you know they gave that game away as well. So you know, there's no guarantee. Like there's no you know necessarily this this, this stretch of like, okay now it's five of eight at home. You know, now there's this, you know, golden, <laughs> golden road to Oz, you know. Right, right. Um, so they're still going to have to develop. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting because, I mean, let's face it. The one thing that I think everyone, they need to have cl- clarity on going into, you know, the off season is, is Winston, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's the it. number one question. It's That's the number it. one thing they've got to figure out. And everything else kind of comes around that. But, um, you know, you, when you look at this game, like I said, I think it was good to see a lot of these younger guys learning on the fly. And I think that it was cool to see Ronald Jones actually start off a game and see what he can do. I think that's a part of it, too. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that Peyton Barber's not going to be the RB1 come next week or something like that. But, well, it shouldn't be. But at the same time, you know, they, they, that, that was a statement there. They, yeah. they did that for a reason. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I know in the week leading up to this, you know, uh, Bruce Arians talked about how you know Ronald Jones' snaps are going to increase, and you know, he's he's done some of the little things to to kind of get him on the field uh, Trust more often, pass yeah, more yeah. often and earlier in the game. So, yeah. um, you know, just because it's two and six doesn't mean it's not going to be interesting down the stretch. I think this is going to be a really interesting, you know, next half season. I can't believe it's we're only halfway in. I know. It seems like we've covered eight seasons already. Yeah, but um, but at the same time, you know, again, it always comes back two and six is two and six. But there's still going to be some interesting things down the road here with this team to follow, uh, you know, throughout. Well, frustrating for Bucks fans, very frustrating for them, but a different feel in that locker room, uh, one that uh, was of regret for sure, but uh, also that maybe brighter days are ahead. And for the quarterback especially, um, he played his best game or one of his best games of the season. So the Bucks losing overtime to the Seahawks. They got the Cardinals at home five of their last eight games as we – Make the corner of the turn here at the halfway point. See if Bruce Arians can get this thing moving in the right direction. That's going to be the key for the second half because so much is riding on Bruce Arians, not just this year, but for the next two, three, four years, if he's going to be here that long, that they have to show um, you know, that they're making progress and can't now have a slide back. Um, you know, after going through these first eight games. All right, Matt Baker joins us now on uh, Sunday night when you, I don't think, expected to be working as uh, hard as you did today. But uh, the news has come out. Willie Taggart has been fired by Florida State. They said uh, they had no choice to do that. Um, Matt, you've written many times over the summer and throughout the season. We've talked to you on this podcast many times that you didn't think FSU would do that this year. There was 17-plus million reasons why they wouldn't do that this year. And they had a budget problem there, but they've now let Willie Taggart go as the head coach at Florida State. So what's changed? Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on. I I think uh, John Thrasher, the president, hit it on the head. They didn't have a choice. I mean, there's just been a whole mess in Tallahassee that that Willie Taggart has done. Some of it is not on him. Some of it is on what he inherited from Jimbo Fisher, the offensive line, some recruiting issues, all sorts of issues. But the big thing is Willie Taggart didn't fix it. Um, he didn't fix it last year when he lost six times by at least 17 points. He didn't and wasn't fixing it this year when his team blew five uh, fourth quarter leads. They, they went on to win two of those games, but still uh, five blown fourth quarter leads, getting outscored 99 to 55 in the fourth quarter this season. Um, and the t- bottom 10 in the country in terms of penalties, I think it's six different 
uh, illegal formations, uh, including a couple on Miami, a couple on punts, just a bunch of issues that weren't getting better, Steve. Um, the offensive line wasn't getting better. The, the defense continued to collapse. 0-5 against his rivals, Florida State, uh, or at Florida, Miami, and Clemson. And then the, the most damning thing, all of those fed into an issue that created apathy around the program. Um, you know, the five of their, or their five worst attended games of the last 30 years have all been in the last eight home games. And, and you know, FSU Miami was a season high 63,000 and change at Doak on Saturday. But that was the lowest FSU Miami game at Doak since 1991. And all of those things are costing the program money. You know, a conservative estimate, maybe a million dollars a game. And though all those things added up to the point where, you know, things weren't good last year, they weren't getting better. I don't think the fan base expected or thought anything was going to change, particularly uh, the rest of this season or certainly into 2020. And if you're looking at another year where your attendance is going to be that bad and you're losing, uh, you know, a million dollars or more for every home game, it suddenly it starts to make financial sense where you just bite the bullet, pay the $17 million plus, plus another 2 to $3 million to get rid of assistance, plus another couple million dollars potentially to buy out the new coach, whoever he is, wherever he is. It Suddenly that becomes a financial thing, and that's something I didn't expect in the offseason. But uh, I also expected FSU to make some improvements, and they weren't making them fast enough under Willie Taggart in year two. Okay, so Odell Higgins takes over as the interim coach. He was the interim coach when Jimbo Fisher left to go take the Texas A&M job. So is he a candidate for this job, or is he just filling the shoes until they conduct their search and will hire a coach this offseason? Yeah, he's, he's filling the shoes. You know, He's been an assistant at FSU since the dawn of time. He is as Florida State as a Florida State human being can be. Um, but I don't think he's a long-term candidate. I think his job is to kind of steady the ship for the next three games starting Saturday against Boston College. You know, hopefully, uh, if you're an FSU fan, that they win a couple of those. Maybe, you know, who knows? But um, his job is to kind of steady the ship, be as FSU as you can be and as upbeat and positive as you can be while the administrators and power brokers work behind the scenes to conduct a national search and uh, bring in the next guy who can uh, try and bring FSU back to glory. So who are those guys that they might be talking to or looking at that might bring them back to glory? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of names you're hearing. Um, the, the names that I've, that I've come up the most, I think some of this is wishful thinking, but Stoops, uh, Bob Stoops, the former uh, you know, Gators assistant, obviously a, extremely successful at Oklahoma. He's a guy that FSU would love. I don't know that he wants to get into the head coaching business in college, um, but he's a guy that certainly would be high on their list. His brother Mark was a long time, or you know, a, a defensive coordinator and assistant at FSU for a few years, now doing a fine job at Kentucky. I think he, his name is the one I've probably heard the most. Um, you know, maybe they try and reach, you know, swing for the fences with a James Franklin or Brian Kelly. I don't know that any of that would happen. Then you go into kind of the, the high uh, group of five, low power five guys: uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, uh, Mike Norvell at, at Memphis. Um, uh, and, and then there's a couple assistants that I think would strongly be in the mix, all coincidentally at Clemson. You know, Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, and then the co-offensive coordinators, Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott. All three are, are head coaching, you know, potential head coaches somewhere. I think they've all had opportunities or could have opportunities. They've been kind of waiting for the right chances. And I don't know if FSU would be the right for any of them or if they would be right for FSU. But I think those are all three kind of 
assistance on the rise that uh, FSU might want, might be looking at here in the next couple of weeks. So does the timing of this give them any advantages instead of waiting until, you know, the end of November when the season ends, you're doing this, you know, November 3rd, you've got what, four weeks of college football left. Um, there's advantages to this. Is that a, the reason they did it now? Or is it just you lost to the rival and, and they just didn't want to, you know, I don't want to say hear from the fan base anymore about it, but you know, I guess once the decision's made, you go ahead and do it. Why wait? Well, yeah, I, I think there's there's a couple of reasons. We haven't heard from the athletic director, David Coburn, other than a statement. Uh, I'll be up in Tallahassee tomorrow to, to, to talk to him at his news conference about why now. But I think some of it is, look, it wasn't getting any better. Even if they won the next couple of games, it wasn't going to fix the long-term problems. The old Jeremy Foley saying, what must be done eventually should be done immediately. Um, so I think that kind of fed into it. Why, why wait, why delay what everyone knew was the inevitable. And I do absolutely think there are some advantages to this. Um, the early signing period has created a, just an extreme sense of urgency to hire a coach and hi- get his staff together as soon as humanly possible, because every extra minute, every extra hour, every extra day that that staff has to be calling recruits while they're scrambling in a couple-week window to try and salvage a class, that's pivotal. And I think that's one reason why you know Willie kind of was behind the eight ball at FSU. Just because he got signed so late, just had to scramble to, to salvage a class, and that cost him opportunities working on the next class and that sort of thing. So uh, I think there are some advantages just in terms of being the first big name out there. Um, sorry, Rutgers. Uh, so they can kind of start attracting people. Um, potentially getting it done as soon as possible. And then also, this is an administration that hasn't done this a lot. I mean, this will be, what, the third coaching hire they've made in the last 40 years, pretty much, right? Um, So it's something they're not experienced at. Uh, The athletic director, David Coburn, a very intelligent, well-regarded man, but he made his bones in politics. That's where he made his name. So this is a different type of hire than he's done in the past. And I think they want as much time as they can to get everything right and and do it as well as they can for the three kind of power brokers at the top who are kind of all in the next uh, couple of years going to be retiring. All right, Matt, we'll have more with you on our usual Thursday podcast uh, with Rick as well. And we'll get more into this as I'm sure more names will surface and and thoughts and and reaction to it as well. But before we let you go today, uh, you were at the world's largest outdoor, quote, cocktail party i guess you're not supposed to say that anymore but florida georgia you're allowed to say it you're allowed to say okay. it. if they're allowed to drink it in the in the parking lot you're allowed to say it okay so the world's largest outdoor <laughs> cocktail party uh georgia florida it was a it was a pretty good game uh one score game georgia wins 24 17 but your initial thoughts well my initial thoughts first of all is florida couldn't get off the field defensively on third down to save its life um and, and that's obviously a a huge problem um, but I think kind of taking a step back even more, 10,000-foot view, Florida's not there yet. I, I think it's that simple. I mean, Georgia is every bit still a playoff contender, an SEC contender, and one of the most talented teams that is still very much in the national championship mix. That's what Georgia and Kirby Smart have created over the last couple of years with our three consecutive top six recruiting classes and dudes on dudes on dudes. And, and Florida's just not there yet. No, they 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 might be closing the gap maybe a little bit in how they've recruited. They're getting a little better there under Dan Mullen, but there's a whole big gap there. Um, and sometimes football is really that simple. If if you know the team with the most dudes and the better dudes usually wins, 
And on Saturday, Georgia had more dudes, and their dudes were better. So that's why they were able to win, and that's why they're still the heavyweights in the East. And, you know, Mullen, I still think, is a very good play caller. And X's and O's and schematics, he's as good as anybody in the country. But until he gets more better dudes, I think we're going to be seeing cocktail parties like that in the future. Well, and in his defense, this is his second season at Florida, so he hasn't had a lot of chance to recruit his dudes yet. Absolutely. You're right. But that's still also, I mean, that was the knock or the question on Mullen when he was at Mississippi State. The difference is at Mississippi State, maybe you can get an occasional five-star, you know, a couple four-stars, but you're, you're not going to be expected or able to recruit at a top 10, top five level. At Florida, there's no reason why you can't do that, um, just because, you know, the resources are there. Uh, obviously, Florida's got, you know, one of the most uh, recruiting, uh, m- most fertile recruiting grounds in the country with, with this fine state we live in. So th- there's reasons to think that Mullen should be able to. He just hasn't done it yet. And we'll see it in the, here in December and February, whether he's able to close that gap. And then obviously in the next couple of years uh, as well, what he can do recruiting to to make up that ground. Because right now, I mean, he can say that the difference between Florida and Georgia is only seven points. It looked like a lot more than seven to me on Saturday. Well, he's Matt Baker. He's the college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, and we'll have more with you Thursday on the podcast at our usual time. So thank you for joining us, Matt, today after uh, Willie Taggart was uh, fired by Florida State. And then your thoughts on Florida, Georgia. You got it. Thank you. For Eduardo Encino, I'm Rick Stroud from Seattle, the Tampa Bay Times. We will talk to you guys tomorrow on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.